You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is James. And this is Milo. And Dunkers, we've got a we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, it is August in the NBA, so there's not a lot going on, but there's a few things that have happened that we need to talk about. One is, I think this week it was proven that NBA 2K just does literally does not care about the Utah Jazz. They do not watch the Utah Jazz. They do not study the Utah Jazz, and they do not take time on Utah Jazz player models. Um, <laughs> the last is very evident. The The player model of Gordon Hayward from last year to this year, last year in with the Utah Jazz, it still looks like he's as skinny as the day he entered the league, albeit with a different haircut. Um, and, the, and the hair still looks like it's like a 1998 render. And then they go <sighs> to this year where it's just like, holy crap, like, insane graphics insane. yeah like gordon hayward looks like they are preparing he, him as the main character for a legitimate video game rather than an npc in some random town that you come across <laughs> late in the game which <laughs> is basically the treatment that he's gotten so it's it hurts my feelings nba 2k ronnie 2k so what i want dunkers as a slc dunk army is for every single one of us to tell ronnie 2k to to watch some jazz games. I know that he doesn't care about us and doesn't listen, but he can at least we can at least make Twitter a little less pleasant for him because at of them. At least make not. Donovan Mitchell look like Donovan Mitchell, and Joe exactly. Ingles, and, and and make sure that Joe Ingles just doesn't look like a creative player. If, if yeah, if, if if that can happen, if uh, if if Joe Ingles can look like Joe Ingles, like let's be honest, like every single Utah Jazz player. Looks like they're like, oh crap, we 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 forgot to scan their face this year. Um, exactly. Like, um, <laughs> okay, give me, give me, hold on, hold on, give me a picture. I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to just like uh, just rough this one out. And, well, you could. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And so, and, and, I mean, at least Rudy Gobert sort of looks like that, but Rudy Gobert looks like a like he was wearing makeup, like his it, it, and, and he and his hair looked like it was sprayed on, versus like. <laughs> Gordon Hayward, like his beard, I, like you could pick out each individual, like beard hair on the on the new render, which is well, it's very it's very obvious which players they put through like a facial rendering, use photos and the light up balls that they put on their face, and then it's very obvious who they give to like the intern to just make them in the creative player as best they can. Yeah, it's just like, hey, can you just crank crank these five out? You got about thirty minutes. 
Oh my goodness. So if Donovan, so you see, it's going to hurt my feelings. I know it is. I always hope for the opposite, but it hurts my feelings every time, but they're going to do it again to Donovan Mitchell. He is going to, he's going to look like a mix between Eddie Murphy and then something else. And it's going to make me mad. And, uh, and, uh, so. But the other thing too, is with Gordon Hayward's decision, they were so far in development that this is what he would have looked like. And so that makes me even sadder that he didn't select Utah Jazz because we could have had a player who looked like himself. <laughs> we were How so t- close to having a player that looks like himself. <laughs> How, maybe that's – yeah, you're right. Maybe he chose them just for that. How terrible – how terrible would it have been if during the middle of the quote unquote decision of Gordon Hayward, like his player model from Boston comes out and they said, and like uh, Ronnie 2K tweets Gordon, like, hey, thanks for letting us know a few months back. We got your player model ready already. I know. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, my, my hope is that because Rudy Gobert is so vocal and he's such a Twitter and he's such a celebrity, hopefully he looks good. Um, I'm, 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 I'm holding out. Um, he should, I will be really disappointed if Rudy Gobert is not like an, an, like he's got to be anywhere between an 89 and a 92 just because of his defensive prowess. Like this is another thing that makes me angry every time, but we're going to, this is something we'll probably have to talk about at some point this month because it's August, but we'll get the player ratings coming out here. We've started seeing some of the player ratings come out. Gordon Hayward comes out as an 88. If Rudy Gobert is not an 88 or more, I I don't know. I'm going to send at least two angry tweets probably. He's got to be. I'm going to tag at least one angry tweet to you, Ronnie 2K. At least one. I'm going to tag you. (laughs) But the funny thing is like everybody was commenting. They're like, wow, the graphics in NBA 2K18 are insane this year. It's like, no, the – the design on Gordon Hayward last year was absolute garbage. Like, it was terrible. <laughs> it was so terrible. I play a lot of NBA 2K, and every single one of Utah's players just looks like just looks horrendous. But I was also saying that for uh, like, uh, um, if you're lighter skinned in in NBA 2K. And that's whether you're African American, you're white, you're Spanish, you're Brazilian. W- w- whatever if for some reason it's just like the hair just doesn't get rendered right um the the lighting just gets washed out um and and it and it and so it, it just and, and maybe that was like a graphical challenge like trying to trying to do that um uh but maybe they finally figured it out maybe they finally figured it out so that's good news for utah which has uh ricky go uh, ricky rubia ricky gobert Ricky Rubio, <laughs> Joe Ingles, um, soon to be Kevin Love. Uh, so that's, uh, that's yes. going to be big wins, big wins oh, for Utah. Absolutely, and and, and maybe Jonas we can talk- Drebko. Maybe maybe well, no, what NBA two K will probably <laughs> just throw Gordon Hayward's old like player model as Jonas just, Drebko. They literally could just make him a little blonder. And it works. Like it's Jonas Jerebko, everybody. <laughs> well, because I was going to say, how bad is Jonas Jerebko going to look on? And now that he's on the Jazz, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so Gordon Hayward's going to upgrade going to Boston, and now Jerebko's getting the downgrade. I'm sorry, Jonas, and he cares about video games. Well, he actually well, it probably might not pays even attention. Be Jonas Jerebko. They might just be like, oh, we forgot him. I'll just put Boris Dio on their roster again. No one will know. Oh yeah, it's like, uh, like what other. Uh, 
what other just random <laughs> level I, I, two? I, I, I wonder how Tony Bradley's going to look because um, the same like Dante oh. Exum had a good player model his first year, but Rodney Hood his first year just looked like they forgot. Oh, I, have you it, seen Trey Lyles from his rookie year? Yeah, Trey it, Lyles his rookie it is, uh, bad. It if is. If you're in your twi- really if you're in the bad. yeah, if you're uh, if you're like a first rounder in the twenties, you look you look horrendous. Especially you look, if you go to the Utah Jazz or the Orlando Magic or something. And then if you're like then if you're like a second rounder, like instant instant like generic face, like <laughs> they just like run it through the randomizer and hope they hit Pater. Like that's let's. Let's just hope they spell his name right. Like if, at this point, just if they get his name right, they get the college he's from. That's probably a win. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, don't expect anything very good. One thing, Dunkers, we need to do, and this is a challenge, and maybe we need to do this, and maybe we can make this a contest. But we need to cre- create like an SLC Dunk uniform that we can all wear within NBA 2K courts and represent SLC Dunk. That would be pretty cool. There's, there's got to be something. I, I've never created a custom jersey for them, but, I mean, when I do, it would be SLC Dunk. Yeah, I guess I'm making up things that I don't know if you can do. I don't because I had, I didn't play 2K last year. I guess sometimes I just think like you know we can just get things that we want. Doesn't necessarily have to be realistic. Like I want Kevin Love on the Jazz. I don't know if that's realistic. See, I never played. I, I, so I never I never do the creative player that that in depth. What I usually do is I play the the my GM mode, and mm. then I just run it every season, just trading one key piece and how much that changes. So that's like my rule. I can't like completely gut it and try to try to like trade for LeBron. I don't. I, I can't. I can't willfully do do that. It just feels like it's wrong, like because it wouldn't happen, right? Yeah, so, you feel so, like so, it has to get equal value. Yeah, so so I only trade one player, and then I see how many players I can get from that one draft. So that one trade. So it, whatever that expands upon, then 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 it just happens. So right now, I'm running our current our new roster, and um, uh, spoiler. Uh, we can't score. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're saying they didn't give a, they didn't take into account Rudy's uh, pick and roll numbers. It, it, so I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, and it's maddening because I can't get anybody to hit an open open three to save their <laughs> lives. <laughs> and it is it is beyond beyond frustrating. And I'm winning games like uh, it, like eighty two to 79 or 76 to 70 and this could be the reality that we live in Um, (laughs) if do they do they know who joe ingles is and do they think that ingles is actually pronounced ingles no they still it's it's joe ingles um albeit like everyone has like a backstory that the announcers talk about and joe ingles doesn't get anything um, <laughs> since Gordon Hayward is no longer on the team, um, he, the only person that gets, uh, like halftime interviews, the only people are like Derek favors and Quinn Snyder. And then there's a, a little feature with Rubio, um, where he gets, he gets an interview post game. Oh, um, Joe no, Johnson Rudy? does. Joe Johnson does too. Joe oh, Johnson I'm gets sure he does. Um, Rudy doesn't. Rudy has no 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 uh, no FaceTime. Maybe next year. That's what I was really uh, excited about the playoffs. 
because everyone was mic'd up, and that just meant that we actually had people. T- we were going to have people talking in NBA 2K. So, and of course, Rudy got hurt, so we're not going to get anything. So. Right now, now speaking in, from one disappointment to another, uh, Kevin Pelton he uh, came out with his projections for next season uh, using real plus or minus, and the Utah Jazz um, were actually squeaking into the playoffs with a projected win total of 44.7, just ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans at 44.2, and and well behind, three wins behind the Denver Nuggets for a projected win total of 47.2. Now, um, the, the, he even mentioned for the, for the New Orleans Pelicans, who the Jazz are just squeaking ahead of, he said... He admitted that the the fit probably wasn't right, just because they have Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday, who kind of pay, not kind of they play the same position. So one of them is going to be playing out of position, so that's probably going to take down their real plus or minus. And then also the Demarcus Cousins Anthony Davis front court duo when played together, that's probably going to take down the real plus or minus um, because a lot of their real plus or minus from last year was with them playing um, on different teams as a sole option. So that's yeah. going to change a lot of things. Now, as far as the Denver Nuggets are concerned, the Denver Nuggets are, I mean, once again, this goes into the the insane Northwest division of Oklahoma City, Utah, Denver, Portland, and um, uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting one. Who am I forgetting? Minnesota. There you go. There we go. So, I mean, it, it, and, and here's the Northwest division. So, so uh, the first Northwest Division team, the New- Minnesota Timberwolves, comes out at 50 projected wins. The next one is the Oklahoma City at 49. And then you have the Denver Nuggets at a projected win total of 47, then Utah 44, and then just missing the playoffs is Portland at 43.8. Now here's the thing. The, U- the, the, the Western Conference has 10 teams projected to win 43 games or more. Whew. Now if you look at the Eastern Conference... Um, so in, in the, in the Western conference, 43 wins, actually 44 wins doesn't get you into the playoffs. If you look at the Eastern conference projections, um, you can win 35 games and get into the playoffs. And there you go, Gordon Hayward. And, 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 and this, you can tell me your thoughts on this, but this is, this is just another sign that the conferences just need to be abolished. Because this isn't fair for the teams in the Western Conference that are busting their tails, and for the competent o- owners and 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 management staffs that are putting these teams together, putting together good teams. Meanwhile, it's hurting bad teams. Like if you're Detroit or Philadelphia, and you squeak into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, Philadelphia, I think they would be happy to squeak into the playoffs at 33 wins. You know that, that yeah. they want to make the playoffs. But if you're Orlando or Detroit. And you get into the the playoffs with thirty five wins or thirty four wins, oh my, that's that's crippling for your franchise. Well, you miss out on a roll of the dice with the lottery. You're gonna get decimated, um, not just decimated, but by I mean, it really doesn't matter. And you're you definitely are not as good as probably four or so teams in the West that don't make it either. It just yeah. hurts you. And what's crazy is um, with the win totals of the teams that are missing out, you would go from – by making the playoffs, they would be – they would have the 15th pick. You know, they would have the uh, – yeah, 15th pick. 
Um, but because they missed, because they they missed it, they if they would have if they would have missed the playoffs, then they would have been at like the twelfth pick uh-huh. and a chance at a lottery. And so that's just and that grouping, that grouping of teams where they're they're bad is in that thirty range, that thirty two to thirty seven wins. And so that's just oh, well, that's just rough. It hurts the low end teams like that, and it also hurts the mid level teams. So Utah playing the Clippers last season is unfair. I mean, those are two really good teams that if they were put into a 16-team seeding, get a much easier path to the second round, which they really earned. I mean, you, you L.A. Clippers and losing that game against the Jazz is unfair. Yeah. I mean, they played a, they played they should have been playing someone like um, you know, one of the bottom feeders in 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 the East, just one of these teams that, you know, like at a Milwaukee who kind of barely squeaks in. That's not it's not fair that they had to play each other. They go seven games. Obviously, the Jazz were not going to beat the Warriors because they were tired from a series with them. But George Hill did not play, whether that was his choice not to play, which is what I think. Uh, but or that he was legitimately hurt. You know, the Jazz didn't have a chance to really rest because they had to play a really tough seven game series in the first round. It's, right. It's it's not fair. It's it hurts mid-level teams and it hurts and it hurts the teams that really shouldn't be in the playoffs. They really don't deserve it. Yeah. And they really don't want it to be honest. Like they want that lottery pick. Right. If you're if you're a, a an above 500 team and you're missing and you're not in the playoffs while there are below 500 teams, that's 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 not the purpose of a competition period. But comp- like if you're going to have a, a competition between sports teams, the best team should, when you get to the playoffs, should play the best teams. And if you have a team that is out of the playoffs that's significantly better than a team that's in the playoffs, I don't care if it's Western Conference, Eastern Conference. Like, as a basketball fan, you should. I I want to see the best teams play. Period. Mm-hmm. And and um, and and I don't want to see some struggling team. In there, and that includes if it's my own, because the Utah Jazz were in that position um, shortly after the lockout, where they squeaked into the playoffs because other teams decided, "Hey, it ain't worth it," and got swept from by the Spurs just easily. I don't want. Oh yeah, I don't want to be that team, and it and it doesn't make for good t- TV. It doesn't make good for good for for good basketball. So. Well, and if you consider in the Eastern Conference, you had the Boston Celtics playing the Chicago Bulls, which was a joke of a series because of the Celtics kind of – it looked for a second there like maybe the Bulls were going to prove us all wrong and sweep the Celtics in that first round. But really, Boston should have been a six seed or something like that playing uh, – Yeah, they'd only won a couple more games in Utah. Exactly. Like, and they're playing Boston, which was a cakewalk. Chicago should have been playing Golden State. And should have been getting swept handily, and Boston should have had a tougher route. Yeah, and, and we, here's the thing: if they look, if they if if the, if the NBA eliminates eliminates conferences, we're we might not be talking about Gordon Hayward going to Boston because he's not saying, "Well, they have an easier way to get to the NBA Finals," and he's instead saying, "Wow, um, well, they only won a couple more games in Utah." It doesn't really. It doesn't. It's, that's not really a big deal. We still have. We 
all of us still have to go through Golden State, San Antonio, Houston, um, and and making a different decision based on that. But instead, <sighs> because uh, because we have stupid conferences from a model based on air travel in the 1960s and 70s, um, here it is. This is what we got. Well, and it's it's obvious it played a, a factor in it. He's mentioned that. He doesn't want to say it often, but it did play a part in it. He's going to be an all-star much easier. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to make the playoffs much easier. He's probably going to get more rest. Makes me wonder. I wonder how many, if this is like one of the first players that actually switched where conferences actually played a factor in it because you know i of all the players the ones who left the eastern conference you two were traded they didn't choose to leave uh the only one who chose really to leave of those major players outside of paul george and jimmy butler was gordon hayward and he chose you know partly because he happened to be coached by brad stevens in college and also you know just he wants an easier route i guess and and um I wonder too if if all that, te- that uh, TV money didn't come in and surge, are we talking about Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference too? Because he he would have had that chance to go to the weaker conference, and um, Golden and Golden State wouldn't have been in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes if all that TV money didn't surge all at the same time. So there's a chance that that could have been a factor too. But uh, we, we never we never had that what if. It's uh, such a perfect storm. Yeah. So if you were gonna if you were gonna decide projected wins um, forty four would you take the over or would you take the under? Um, for me, I'm taking the over. I don't remember exactly what our RPM was last year, but I remember it being lower than what we actually did. Uh, maybe not by much, and and I could be off. So if you want to let me know what it was in the comments, that'd be great. But um, I I think it's a little conservative. I really I know I'm biased. Um, I know I'm ride or die, but I I just I look at the Jazz and I look at how good our defense will be. I really truly feel like Ricky Rubio is underrated in his ability to create offense. I know like we're gonna struggle in NBA 2K because our three point rating isn't as high with every single player, but the fact that Rudy, I mean we'll talk about this and maybe we can talk about this a little bit now. But I the fact that Rubio so on twelve Rubio visits talks with 1280 the zone and made some interesting comments about how excited he is to play in the pick and roll with both Derek favors and Rudy Gobert. And one of the interesting comments is that he's never played with a, a player that can jump as high as Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And that's interesting that he says that, especially with Carl Anthony towns, but, uh, Carl Anthony towns is, I mean, not as much of a seven footer as Rudy Gobert is and not with that, not with that wingspan. Well, so, and you also, you also consider that, um, one of the things about Carl Anthony Towns is he kind of became a perimeter player last year in a lot of ways, that he's playing a lot of pick and pop from the three-point line, whereas Rudy's playing more of a pure role man. Rudy's offense comes from rolling to the rim and offensive rebound putbacks. That's pretty much Rudy Gobert's game. It's a vast and important part of the game, but that's kind of how he gets it. And so my personal feeling is that Rubio is going to come in. He's He's going to you know, get 10 assists a game. I, I think that's very achievable. He's going to be doing it by lobbying to Rudy Gobert. He's going to be um, pick and rolling teams to death and then sh- throwing it out to shooters. We have, I think it's, I think our shooting is a little underrated. I think Rodney Hood and Joe Ingles provide pretty good spacing. It's going to be, and, and it's going to be interesting with Rodney Hood. I think 
Ronnie Hood is uh, he 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 is uh, a lot of people has it's kind of interesting. Both Dante Exum and Ronnie Hood are coming into a season where people both many people are saying that it is a make or break season. And it's and it's weird because Ronnie Hood coming into his third season last year, uh, he many had thought he's already arrived and he's just going to be taking even more steps. And he took some definite steps back last year, but it was after after the first two months. His first two months, he looked like he is taking that next step. Oh, and he was, was on like an all star level. Yeah, and 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 that was with Gordon Hayward being injured and everything, and so. Many were thinking, and myself, as I thought, man, the Utah Jazz—they're going to be really formidable. They got Hood clicking on this. Gobert's on another level now. Uh, George Hill looks great when he's healthy, and once they're all healthy, this is going to be an insane team. And then Rodney Hood never just—he got injured and never really got back into step of things, whether that was nagging or just never got back in rhythm. But he also seemed to take a step back on the defensive end. He was all he, he was always an average player, but last year he looked very below average. And maybe that was his injuries. It uh, just was a step slow. Um, Joe Ingles, on the other hand, he's just a knockdown shooter. And there were times in the playoffs where, he, like, the, the shot that he took uh, in front of, like, DeAndre Jordan, just, like, filthy. It's just... Just right in his face, just drain the three. Oh, it was so fun to watch. So he's a better three-point shooter. that, uh, And it's crazy that one of the top three-point shooters in the league than people give him credit for. Because that, oh. that was like the, the stat where it's just like, you wouldn't believe who's one of the best three-point shooters in, in the league. And, and the other, the opposing announcer's like, who would that be? And they're like, Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles. <laughs> like that was... <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> it's like a nightly occurrence, and so Utah actually has some good shooters. What's going to be the X factor, though, is can can Hood be consistent? Even mm-hmm. when Hood ha- has his good good games, he'll he'll go on a streak and then he's just absent. It's not like one game here, one game here. It'll be for two weeks. He's just off, and that's been a staple of his NBA career so far. Oh, and it's. It's frustrating because sometimes they're not good games. They're just like these explosion games, like where he scored thirty and a half against Kobe and stuff like that. And it's and and then yeah, then like and so he shoots like eight for ten from three, <laughs> and then like the next two weeks he goes and shoots twenty percent. And you just want him to just become a thirty-six to forty percent three-point shooter, just consistently. Just to have a two for four night, and then a one for four night, and then a two for four night, and a, just become come a consistent shooter. Yeah. Uh, now, it, what's interesting is uh, Hayward's. So Gordon Hayward in his fourth year, he got to be the man. Basically, they put all the responsibilities and said, "Hey, go get us, go get us buckets." And he really struggled. He really struggled in that year. He took a step back in a lot of areas, in like effective field goal percentage, three point percentage, like three point percentage cratered to thirty percent. And the prior year, he was shooting forty-one um, percent, um, mm. and 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 that was and that was part of why people were like, well, you know, he needs to go out there and get it. He just doesn't look like you know the player who you know he thinks he is, um, and that looks like a player adjusting. The other thing too is Hood this past year. That could have been the other thing too is he 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 went up in in usage rate with that, and there's a possibility he took that step back. But there's also a possibility this year he 
he could be better, and we might not see it in the numbers because opposing defenses are going to look at him and be like, he's the only guy out here who's going to score. Exactly. And, and uh, so we are going to shut him down, and we're going to we're going to turn Joe Ingles, Cephalosha, and and Gobert into scores tonight, and and just count on count on the averages playing in our favor. And that brings me into uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN. He was projecting the the starters in the depth chart. It's kind of interesting. He he projects that the starting lineup for for the Jazz is going to be Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles, Thabo Cephalosha, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert. And that lineup right there is an insanely defensive lineup. That's just like that's it's intense. Just, that's yeah. That is that is. Way, way, way defense, like all defense, all the time. No one's going to get buckets. That's like Charlotte Bobcats when they had that strong defensive team and they squeaked into playoffs in the eighth seed, but they had mm-hmm. the league's worst offense, but the league's best defense. I think it's very pot. So my prediction. So if I were going to say, hey, forty-four games over or under, I'm taking the under, and the reason being is. I do think I think you'll see offensive improvement throughout the season, especially for Rodney Hood and Dante Exum and Donovan Mitchell. But I think on the beginning of the season, just because it's been put into their court that they need to go get buckets, um, I think they're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And um, I think at the beginning of the year, it it is it, it could be, and Cephalosha has played this role before, where he starts he starts. To kind of disrupt the offensive, uh, the opposing player's star forward, and then he's taken out after five minutes, and he plays like a total of like seventeen to nineteen minutes, but he starts. Mm-hmm. And I could see that I could see that happening just because he he it, it seems like it, it seems like his thing, um, and that's and that's why he's how he's how he's run. Um, and and maybe Utah wants to go in and disrupt, and then they then they throw in their horses, and they play and still and Ronnie Hood, Donovan Mitchell, and Dante Exum still play mega minutes, but they're not playing mega minutes in in that type of way. Yeah, well, a lot of our win total is really dependent on how good is Ricky Rubio. Is Ricky Rubio the you know spot up shooter that we're kind of being told he can become, like a Jason Kidd did later in his career, or are people, is he not, and teams are just going to sag off of him and force Ricky Rubio to beat them, and Ricky Rubio shoots, you know, 36% from the field and and uh, 20% from three, and we, we depend on a lot of offensive rebounding and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Like, it, and, and the hard thing about Jason Kidd, and you look at his numbers, so he was playing per game some seasons like 38 minutes, 41 minutes, 39 minutes, 30, 39 minutes, no, 40 minutes. Like he took a surge in his numbers um, after at 26, but that was the same time when the, when he started playing like nuts, nuts minutes, <laughs> like stuff that he shouldn't be. Well, was his percentages going up too, or were they pretty much the same? Like his three point, per- no, they're just they're all over the place. I, mm-hmm. there, there's no steady improvement. Um, now, his now his three point shooting finally started to pick up um, and stay high when he was 34. Well, that's eight years from now for Ricky Rubio. 
34 years old? Yes. I didn't realize that. 34. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, but I, but the interesting thing is, um, uh, so, a, and that's the hard thing of looking at Phoenix as like, people are like, maybe they can take, uh, there was a con, there was a guy who uh, responded to the SLC dunk Twitter who, uh, said that, um, uh, that he, he sees, uh, Rubio taking a Steve Nash like jump. Well, the thing is Steve Nash never took a jump. He just played in a different offense, and so he had more opportunities. He was surrounded by better shooters in Phoenix, um, and he had more opportunities. That, that The eight minutes or less, that allowed for way more assists. So his assist totals went up, but his percentages across the board stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, he was yeah, the same it makes player. sense. It's, he was the same player. It's, it's kind of like year two Rudy Gobert being the same as year three Rudy Gobert in a lot of ways. It's just once they start playing, you're just showing they're the same. Right. They're the so same player. It, 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 yeah, it's not like a night and day difference where, like, for example, Joe Ingles suddenly learns how to shoot a three at, uh, like, uh, by the way, not not enough has been talked about Joe Ingles, like, crazy development under Utah. But that's it's something for another day. But th- the fact of the matter is for Ricky Rubio to have some sort of big improvement, um, his big improvement it, in a lot of ways is not going to be in his numbers. Like he he could average the same amount of assists, same amount of points, same amount of steals, rebounds, whatever. But what could um, happen for Utah is you'll see the improvements for the players around him, and, um, and and that's a lot of ways. When you look at Steve Nash's MVP numbers, you're like you look at them and you're like, well, this ain't like this ain't the holy grail of numbers here. But then you look at what his play, you know, what the people around him are doing, and turn and and kind of turning fringe borderline, uh, you know, border uh, like basically starters into borderline all-stars or all-stars. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was what Steve Nash's um, big MO was. Um, Grant Hill should, you know, thank Steve Nash uh, for writing the checks for his latter end. Like he put, you know, put Grant Hill into good situations. Well, and look at Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. Mar- Amari, Amari, uh, Amari, uh, was able to be in the right place at the right time, and so with a good with a good point guard, a, a big men are going to see so favors and Gobert if they're healthy, they're going to be the recipients of of this uh, uh, of of Rubio. So if their numbers go crazy up this year, then you know that Rubio's making an impact, and you might not see it in his numbers because he could theoretically average the same amount of assists. Yeah. So. Well, and speaking of Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy Gobert, or not speaking of Rudy Gobert, speaking of Ricky Rubio, uh, Ricky Rubio recently finally spoke uh, with Utah Jazz Media, uh, 1280 The Zone, owned by Larry H. Miller, uh, said some interesting things. Um, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but one of my favorite quotes, and I actually, yeah, I have already talked about this, but that Rudy Go- Ricky Rubio has not played with a center like Rudy Gobert, uh, Ricky Rubio said that like he's going to be able to get lots of lobs to him. He also talked about playing pick and roll with Derek Favors, how excited he was to play with Derek Favors. I think from some of the things that he said with 1280, there's a legitimate chance he can can really make a jump like you're saying. The interesting thing to me is that it's taken a while for them to kind of present Ricky Rubio to the Jazz. Uh, that, him talking to 1280 Zone makes me think he is locked into the Jazz 
at least through training camp and the first half of this season. We'll see kind of what happens. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it was making me a little bit worried, and and obviously they brought in Rubio to you know pitch Hayward, and then that that went went sideways, and so um, I, I bet I, I bet Utah was kind of just checking out their options because they could have traded, just turned around and flipped Rubio uh, the minute they had him uh, because they got him last year. But uh, it looks like they're they're talking to him that that he's he's part of the offense. Even, he even mentioned that Quinn Snyder's been talking to him every week, and has told and Quinn has told him that they're designing the offense around him. Awesome. And, and, and that's and he said that they never did that in Minnesota, and and obviously they didn't because they had a new coach every year. But yeah, and also this is a question: Has Ricky Rubio had a good coach yet? Has like. I think he's had a good coach, but a good developmental coach is different. Like Tibbs is a good coach, but he's but he's a coach that comes in and That's true. He did have Tibbs. But but you like you're you're but only for one year and and obviously he wasn't Tibbs guy. Like Tibbs came in and, 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 and has really got the players that he wanted, especially with the Jimmy Butler trade and bringing they they went after um uh gosh what what's what's uh what's your name well they draft you know they wanted to play chris dunn as like they would have played chris dunn in a heartbeat he just did not play well last year so they kind of played ricky rubio by default their defense wasn't very good last year yeah off interestingly their offense was very good uh but their defense wasn't so it's just it was an interesting year last year with Thibodeau. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really like the idea of Quinn changing things and working an offense right around Ricky Rubio's strengths. I, I was also kind of worried because, you know, we picked up Rubio to try to keep Gordon Hayward with the Jazz. Gordon Hayward leaves, and now we are – we're not stuck with Ricky Rubio. That's the thing. Ricky Rubio is a really nice starting point guard. He's he's can, a really good point guard. Like if 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 you think about the the Jazz's moves uh, prior to free agency, they were able to they they were able to pull in Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles and OKC's first rounder. Um, that's going to turn into a very high uh, and and high. I mean, like in the twenties. Um, first rounder and mm-hmm. then they were able well no that that was for their own pick so for their own pick and and trey lyles they got donovan mitchell and then for rubio it was just the okc the okc yeah. pick and so they're they're in a good they're in a really good spot i think what's cool is quinn snyder like i said he's a really good development coach he's uh he he's a, he's able to really help players get to their potential and it's and it's really unique to have a coach that is going to mold things ar- around you rather than say, you, you're, you do this, this is my system, this is how we run, which is what Jerry Sloan did. And, and they would only find players that fit that system. And if you didn't, then, you know, ta-ta, we, we find another one. And because uh, uh, San Antonio re- uh, did that for a number of years where it's just like we find any, any person, we know how we run our offense, this is exactly how we go. This is how we run. We can bring in X player. 
But Quinn, on the other hand, he's proven to uh, mold his mold his offense and mold his team around multiple different players, changing them when it makes sense, and and creating this unique scheme. He and and from his history in Atlanta, and then also with with San Antonio, and now now with Utah, he's done that with you know around George. And last year was a great example of how he molded that around George Hill and Gordon Hayward and around their games and really making it work for them. I'm I'm personally really excited about what Quinn Snyder is going to bring out because it has a chance to really uh, just shock. I don't know if shock's the word. Like they're, they're going to be blown away by what they – but they're going to be surprised. I think that Quinn Snyder creates an offense that can surprise people. I We're already written off. I mean 44 wins – Last year, I'm writing us off too, but that's just because I'm trying to do a reverse jinx. Well, you know what? Like, it's okay. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's the safe bet, I would say. But here's what I would say to (laughs) to like Kevin Pelton, and is that last year we, and you know, some of these projections are based on numbers. And I, I'll be honest, you guys, I'm not the biggest numbers guy. I really believe in the eye test, but some of the numbers said, and that's something we could talk about later, but. We we were projected like like I saw a study I can't remember it was Andy Bailey whoever he writes for but they talked about how the Jazz lost like nine games last season or so from injuries do I think it was nine games we lost because of the, a lost injuries no but I for sure think we lost five or six mm-hmm. and so we were more or less a five, 55 win team and so according to all these projections we're going to be like eleven wins worse this season that's a big dip and some of the things i saw last season were that george hill didn't play a lot of games we played a lot of games with shelvin mack uh one of the things that we improved on actually this year is last season our just point guard situation was was not very good we had shelvin mack playing a lot of minutes when george hill was out we did not see a lot of dante exum and when we did it was kind of cringeworthy moments because we knew that he'd get pulled by Quinn immediately and either pulled by Quinn his confidence wasn't there or he's still trying to get up to speed from an injury so exactly post ACL now we have a situation where we have a very high level uh, playmaking point guard we have Dante Exum who looked fantastic in summer league again and everything we hear is that he's having a fantastic offseason um Ricky Rubio spoke with 1280 the zone but uh, I can't remember when it was but Dennis Lindsay Dennis Lindsay also spoke with Den- with 1280 and and has just really high praise for Dante so all of a sudden we have Dante Exum who is going to be a, at worst a very high level backup point guard and then we have Donovan Mitchell who could me personally, hot take city. I I just this guy. I'm over the moon with Donovan Mitchell. I I think he can come in and he's. I I honestly think midway through by the end of next year, if not by the first quarter of the season, is going to be competing for starting minutes. I I I honestly think he's going to come I, I in and shoot so thirty. I I I, I, tol- I totally agree with you on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, in summer league, it's it's easy to get captivated by summer league. Um, but it, it, it's also, I can't remember the last time, uh, actually I do, the last time that a player really impressed me in a Utah Jazz uniform at Summer League, and it wasn't Gordon Hayward, it was Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap, uh, just, just was lights out, and he did, he came back his second and third year and just, and worked. But it, not his rookie year though. 
his rookie year, you were kind of like, oh, like this guy really rebounds and get, you know gets into it, but it wasn't like, wow, this guy's going to be what Paul Millsap is now. Yeah. So with with Donovan Mitchell, though, that was he has a he's going to give somebody a run for their money, and and the the thing is, is when you look at 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 the shooting guard and small forward positions. I do think those positions are up for grabs. I don't think they're set in stone with a starter. Well, and, and that goes for Joe Ingles too. Like Joe Ingles got paid, but Joe Ingles can could be getting paid to come off the bench as a sixth man. And, and he could be really good at that. And yeah, and he th- could, could be really really good. And and part of the reason why you'd want Joe Ingles coming off the bench is Ricky Rubio is a really good ball handler and you'd kind of want that if if Dante Exum is your backup point guard, then you have somebody who, um, who who's not as pass first as Ricky Rubio is. So you bring in another ball handler with Joe Ingles to bring off the pre- take off the pressure. Then you have Dante Exum being able to be a scorer and really just you know go and, and get buckets. But I think I think uh, we could see by the first game of the season Donovan Mitchell taking a hold of that shooting guard position. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then I'm, that small forward position. I mean, that could be that can be Joe Ingles, that can be Cephalosha, that can be Rodney Hood. Oh it, yeah. I mean if if our team if we're projected to be having Tabo Cephalosha as our starter, what that tells me is that Donovan Mitchell has a chance to come in and really make some noise. I mean, because when I hear Tabo Cephalosha sh- starting, that's not that surprising to me because it does make sense that maybe Joe Ingles comes off the bench. It's what he did last year. And Joe Ingles is probably better for 20 minutes a game than he is for 36 minutes a game just because of, you know, it just seems like he does wear down a little bit. But so if, 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 if Donovan Mitchell comes in and he can shoot 36% plus as a spot up shooter and he can come in and catch up, on defensive schemes and things like that, and just not if make. If he defends, if he defends, and that's a, that's a big thing with Quinn. Qu- Quinn wants you to to defend, and at the end of the day, part of the reason that Rodney Hood uh, lost his lost his starting position to to Joe Ingles was not so much Joe Ingles on the offensive end; it was Joe Ingles on the defensive end, mm-hmm. and so. It, 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 the extra help on the offensive end wasn't worth what he was giving up defensively. And yeah, that's, that's the way Quinn looked at it. You got you guys are going to get sick of me with my love for Donovan Mitchell, but I I love him. I'm going to stand for him. I it's going to be hard for me with my love for Exum as well. I don't know how I'm going to survive it, but some somehow I'm going to be able to figure out which one I love more. We'll find out as the season goes. I. I want to also say something. I had a thought today, and and we're kind of coming a little bit to the close here. It was something I wanted to ask you: is how do we get Kevin Love onto the Utah Jazz? I was I was thinking about it today as I watched Kevin Love's video where he comes to Park City and he says Park City is his favorite city in the United, his favorite place in the country. So of course I got very excited and happy and i just watched that and listened to that at work like four times in a row which is not crazy at all but i also started to think like could you imagine if somehow we can get kevin love onto this team and you have kevin love throwing outlet passes to donovan mitchell and dante exum who are like as fast as wide receivers in the nfl it it just made me we've got to find a way to get kevin love on this team what what can the jazz do to get kevin love on our team 
So if the Jazz were, I, I honestly think if they were going to get him on their team, it's it's Derek Favors and one, and at least one of their prize youngsters, and that's going to be Hood, Exum, or or Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's that would be the starting price, right? Before you right. add in a in a first round pick. And, well, and I was, and, and nobody oh, who's listening to this, you're like, well, what about Alec Burks? Listen, you got to have to give you like for someone to take on Alec Burks, you're paying them to take on Alec Burks. Sorry, he oh. he doesn't, he has no value on the trade market right now. You are you are absolutely right. This is something that needs to be said actually right now because we're in August and we can talk about this, guys. It's not happening with Alec Burks. It's not happening. I feel this same pain you did. We all felt it. We all watched the core four. We all hoped for Alec Burks to get minutes. We all saw Alec Burks lose minutes to guys who shouldn't have gotten them over him. And we could talk a little bit about, you know, what could have been with Alec Burks. We all know the injury history. We all know yeah. the we all know what Paul Pierce did. You know, bad mojo for Paul Pierce. But at this point, you have to look at what Alec Burks is at this point. You can't think of Alec Burks in terms of how you looked at him three and four years ago. It's just not, it's just not happening. And so when, you, when, a, when someone says, well, let's trade Alec Burks and for Kevin Love, that's just not a sentence that you should say or think. It's just not going to happen. Right. And, and, and so I think that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing with, with um, Kevin Love. Um, Likewise, I the more time that goes on, I don't think Cleveland makes a deal with. Uh, I mean, that tr- sends Kevin Love or Kyrie away um, until probably the trade deadline or at the earliest, de- uh, you know, December. Yeah. December, then you know, there's there's more players available on December fifteenth, and then on January fifteenth, there's going to be even more players that are available. So, so I, I and. And why would you do that? Why would you do that if you're if you're Cleveland? If you know that there's certain players that have just been signed that you can bring back that would be really great to have on your team. I I I and they're they're negotiating from a point of strength in this. Like they got two years left on his contract. It's a valuable contract. It's a good contract. He's a good player. Like there's no reason for him for them to be like, he wants out. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's not how it works. Yeah, it's 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 not like uh, like uh, like Paul George who only has like a year remaining. Where you're like, okay, well, you know, any every extra day that we don't do this, then it's less than a year that another mm-hmm. team's going to have him, and that's going to take away his value. But as far as like this one with uh, with Kevin Love, like a Utah could yeah. You kind of have to wonder, and and I bet you Utah's looking at it like this: If we make this trade, are we better? Like we might have times that we look better, but are we are we going to win more games, or are we just going to win the same amount of games and just be a little, maybe a little bit flashier and do it with more finesse? Mm-hmm. Um. So it, yeah, it's. I would love Kevin Love. I th- I think he would he would be a good fit for the roster. Albeit, I do think he would get lit up defensively. That's the th- well. That's the that's thing. The worry. I, but so well, is what, Derek Favors right now because the, the NBA has changed at that position. So it's a. It's really tough. That was what I was going to say. So a lot of this, 
a lot of the season kind of depends on what Ricky Rubio is and can do for the Jazz and for Favors and, and Gobert. But a lot of this season really hinges on what does Derek Favors do? Is is Derek Favors going to come back healthy? Is Derek gonna, Favors going to be the Derek Favors of like two or three years ago? Right. Or is he going to be the Derek Favors that the last two seasons can't stay on the floor because he's constantly got some sort of injury if Derek favors becomes a really great player basically two things happen you one you just keep him because he's Derek favors and he's awesome and you just go with it because it has proven that it can win games alongside Rudy Gobert I don't know if it's ever going to be super prolific but we do know that you can have an elite elite defense and an offense that's above average that you know but or you know, maybe Derek Favors comes back and and you like what you see, well, but you think that it could be better if you can get a trade. Maybe a trade happens. It's crazy to think that just two two years ago, uh, I mean, before this last season, um, Derek Favors was entering the season, and many people were like, he could be the best player out of Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert. Two mm-hmm. K thought so, and and uh, it just didn't. It didn't happen, um, and he ha- he's had these chronic injuries, and that's what sucks. Is it's the same injuries. It's always you know it's always a knee, and then he also has the back back troubles. And so what's hard about Derek Favors is he can't play those major minutes. You know he's, mm-hmm. he's like he's probably stuck at about twenty eight minutes, twenty nine minutes a game, and any more than that, and that's really rough on his body. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and. It's also interesting. I mean, Quinn just didn't really play Derek and Rudy together a lot and ended up just having Boris Diaw start a lot of games. And Boris Diaw, you know, his biggest value this season was that his contract could be waived. <laughs> yeah, that was and like, that, and, the, and and he was Derek. and he brought a lot of coffee lovers to Utah. Like that's about it. As uh, uh, and so that so Utah has an interesting situation going in into next year. Like I, cause I, I wrote about this in a recent post and talking about kind of where Utah goes from here. What do they focus on? What are their strengths? You know, we talked about that, uh, Dennis Lindsay has manufactured cap space and they're all, you know, they're over the cap. And so you're like, well, they don't have any cap space, but they, but they do in a sense that they have a lot of expiring contracts. You look at, um, Derek Favors has an expiring contract. Thabo Cephalosha, second year is non-guaranteed. You look at Jones Drebko, second year non-guaranteed. Joel Ballenboy, um, second year non-guaranteed. Um, Haul Neto, he's non-guaranteed this year. Uh, really? And then, then you have uh, Rodney Hood, who is a restricted free agent. Dante Exum, who is a restricted free agent. Ekbe Udo, who has his second year non-guaranteed. And so... All that, all that money combined is about thirty-six mil, and that's a lot. That, that's a, that's that's a lot of money. That's a, thirty-six mil. That sounds like a star player, and 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 so for for that, Utah can really go out there and really manufacture a trade. Now the thing is, it's not true cap space in the in in the idea that they can they can sign somebody outright, but. They can dump that money uh, to somebody who is, um, you know, maybe looking one of these teams. So, say one of these teams in this gauntlet of the of the Western Conference 
So, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, Phoenix, you're looking at Sacramento. Like Sacramento has added veterans, George Hill, Zach, Zach Randolph, and Vince Carter. Um, to the, I don't know what Sacramento's doing. But, but you look at, uh, say, Memphis, for example. Memphis starts underperforming and they're like, you know what, maybe we want to move one of these pieces. Or you look at Portland and all of a sudden Portland says, you know what, we, we, we're not going to be able to get better in this Western Conference and we're looking at Damian Lillard's contract and maybe we, we need to do something. Or we look at C.J. McCollum. Um, you look at New Orleans and maybe New Orleans is just like has a really terrible year and they're looking at the for you know the future of Anthony Davis and they're like we'll take all your assets for Anthony Davis in which you know Utah might go to them and be like hey we have this we have this promising player and not Donovan Mitchell and we have Dante Exum that we can give you and we can send you Rodney Hood and we'll take Anthony Davis and we'll just and we'll we'll go um, now. Now, New Orleans would have to be in a terrible position, but, but what basically Don, uh, Dennis Lindsay is doing is he's kind of preparing. He's, he's basically saying, we're, we're not guaranteed to be able to make a deal like this, but if one comes available, the best thing that we can do is have a, have a package that is going to be enticing to that other team. A, that can get them out of cap space hell, because that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest pain point that every, every franchise is feeling right now. Is paying mm-hmm. a grip ton of money in salary, and so that'll be the first thing. And then if you can get assets back with that, some young assets, then that's going to work out really well for for some teams. So it should be it should be interesting. It should be uh, uh, sweet to see what happens, and then and then we'll uh, we'll go from we'll go from there. So. Uh, I, I say with that, we, 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 uh, end the podcast, uh, podcast today. Um, it was pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, despite, despite not having much NBA news other than some 2k projections. So, uh, but we do know, uh, <laughs> uh we do know that sometime in the next couple of weeks, the Utah jazz are going to be showing off their uniforms. We did get a scoop at the dunk that there are those, um, are those orange, uniforms and and this is this is what i'm able to able to say so by the way can you let them know that we do have information on it guys yeah, it was I, a legitimate it wasn't an onion article yeah, my gosh we weren't i had to tell people it's a it's a real thing yeah it's a real thing so here, here's, <laughs> here's what we know so we know that it goes to some type of orange and and, and kind of that moab orange of utah so you're talking uh you know talking that the arch is orange um, we know it's some type of gradient. Um, our sources, uh, they're, they're not from <laughs> around the United States. And so, um, they had, they had said that, and they didn't know why it would be that color, uh, that kind of burnt orange. And if you're from Utah or have been to Utah and been to Moab, you know immediately uh, what that color looks like. The other thing that, uh, that was kind of surprising to hear from uh, many different sources on this topic is how crazy every team's fourth alternate is. And that is yeah. going to get a lot of people talking. Well, and- I, I don't want to get in trouble with you cause you're my boss, but, but, uh, guys, it's going to be crazy. It's not going to be 
just them like because everyone on twitter was like showing me like oh well does it look like this and like show me a uniform that's orange with the jazz logo it's not gonna look like that it's gonna be crazy it is <laughs> it, it is really like crazy in the way that remember when the 90s ha- like when screen prints came into style and all of a sudden every team had like crazy screen prints from the rockets There's- to the raptors to the jazz to the to the to the the Grizzlies, the Pistons, everyone had crazy out there. Like it's going, we're going to look back on this and be like, these were some nuts jerseys. And, and, and it's not like some fan Jersey that somebody gets off to the side. Like these are going to be game worn and they're going to be in your face and every team. And the other thing that I was told too is um, he said a lot of these jerseys in a vacuum might not look good, but when you compare them to other teams, you might be like, okay, my team's isn't that bad. And so it, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting. Now, that being said, I have not seen a picture of them. I've only, it's based, um, it's based off of what you've been told. It's, it's based on what I've been told. Um, I've, and we've been told by quite a few different, uh, quite a few different, um, sources from varying varying backgrounds so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy and should be a really really uh good time when it comes down to these jerseys because everyone's getting a crazy one um and unfortunately i i can confirm along with with andy that the utah jazz aren't getting any uh awesome throwback which would be nice. It would be nice it to have. Cool. Uh, count me amongst the people who never wants to see Mountain logo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not one of those people who like those mountain jerseys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, y'all. Hate me all you want. I'd rather see a good old fashioned white with the purple and 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 the gold. Yes. I really. Yes. That's 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 where my heart is. I really love those. Or um, I really love the purple with the one one color um, one color uh, note logo with just the gold. Mm. I really liked those. Those were some of my favorites. So never was I a just, fan of the mountains. I never really thought it made sense. So sorry, y'all. Yeah, and I I just want I think for me I agree. I just I want to see something purple. It really is the history of our team. It's what Pistol Pete wore. I want to see something purple. At some point. And the thing is, is I, my guess is that we will eventually see something because it's Nike. And if we know anything about Nike and what they do with teams like Oregon and stuff like that, they like to put out a lot of different things. I've always, and so I've, I've always heard like um, the reason the Jazz don't wear purple right now and it, they went to the blue was – and I've always uh, – I've heard this uh, from multiple people, never really like an expert on the source. But always heard that uh, Larry Miller's favorite color was blue. And I, I remember I was I was serving in my an LDS mission when the Jazz changed to that blue and baby blue, and my dad's like, "We got new colors," and I was like, "Oh, cool!" and and a new logo, and I was imagining like something crazy, and it was just like the same mountain logo but blue and light blue. <laughs> like, what is whose idea was this? And then uh, those awful jerseys that were just like Jazz, like you, you won't even understand why we had the Jazz. It, it's garbage. I hated those. The, the the Darren Williams years. We had a really good team. We had garbage uniforms and a garbage they were, logo. They were really bad. 
It was as generic as you could be. And the thing that frustrated me even more is when we kind of started switching to the Note logo, we still kept the Mountain logo as our primary and changed the, 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 the colors of it again. So it went from like it's purple, copper, teal, whatever mixture that we first had with it to like the blue and light blue. And then we just went to like green, like that that the mountain logo for the Utah Jazz is still the most garbage logo in our history. If you like it, I'm sorry, but no, I'm sorry for you for liking it. That's that's it, how it, it's just a garbage logo. It's it's the nephew design. It it's really. So I mean, I I bad. I work in marketing for a living. I have worked at multiple ad agencies. Like your logos need to tell a story in a simple way, and it's trying to tell a hundred stories. In not a very good way. And none it, of them are just, about the jazz. Yeah, it says jazz. Yeah. But it <laughs> but it's just so something it, purple. It's it's up there. I will put the jazz's old mountain logo up there with the Oklahoma City Thunder current logo. Yeah. I, agree. I said it. But it comes nowhere close to the LA Clippers current logo, which I think is an all time worst logo in the oh, NBA my. by I mean, a a, a wide margin and that's with the like the Detroit Pistons like rebrand logo with the well it's such a shame with the Clippers because they have such a they have such a opportunity for something beautiful like with the Clipper a ship on the ocean yeah. like something like there's so much opportunity they could do there. so much I, I I actually really like the Pelicans logo because I, I, I like that they just were like you know what we're gonna go like full Pelican like we are just going all out, all out Pelly. It's just going nuts with it. Like they they didn't they didn't shy away from it. Uh, it, it it's it's great for that reason. So, but with the Clippers, it's just such a. It looks like a generic video game logo that just gets spit out. It's just really not good. Yes. I, one thing I hope happens is speaking of like the Nike, you know, Nike new Nike jerseys and all of that. I hope that, um, A, the Clippers get rebranded. I hope the Thunder get rebranded. Oh, I hope the Thunder can get rebranded. Well, the Thunder have like four brands, so maybe it's, they can just pick one. It's just <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Um, and, and then, but most importantly, I, the Phoenix Suns, I swear, every two years they're kind of tweaking their brand. Mm-hmm. And it just – their jerseys are just bad. And I really loved – my favorite jerseys were just with, with the sun kind of going across. I was going to say. It was just the, so good. The Dan Marley sun, it was it was just good. It was really, really good. Um, and, and that needs, to, that, that needs to, to come back. I will say some of, the, some of the Nike jerseys that have been released, like the Portland Trailblazers one, I like how they cleaned up the font. Like the Trailblazers, you don't really have to do a lot. I like just how they just cleaned it up. It, doesn't, it, it just looks cleaner now with uh, more, uh, more purpose. Mm-hmm. I, and I just I like how the uniforms look. They look a little like they fit a little better. They look mm-hmm. like they're a little cleaner. I, I, what I, what I do like you think about look. the Sixers? The, the Sixers, uh, like, shadowing. Oh, I don't know if I've seen it. Uh, the, the, so the Sixers, they added, like, a red shadow to their numbers, and it doesn't look good. It looks 
I'm looking it up right now. It it looks um, like the shadowing kind of looks like the old Nets jerseys, like the Jason Kidd Nets. And it just, I you know what? I don't hate it. I, I don't like it. I I, I want just like nice clean. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a fan. I, I I am kind of interested to see what happens with Minnesota Timberwolves jerseys to see those uh, those ones come out. Mm. Um, I well, and I'll admit, I actually like a little craziness here and there. I actually like the Atlanta uniforms with the neon. See, I, I do too. I, I I think they could be a bit. I'm interested to see what Nike does with Atlanta's colors because that just seems like it's made for made for Nike to do do great things. Um, I feel like they have great colors. They've they've had some out there. I I feel like they're too out there, but not with a purpose. And I think mm. Nike can can come in there and, and do a great thing. Orlando well, needs some help with their. Uh, Orlando needs a rebrand. That's who needs to rebrand. I would love them to go for like the first Orlando Magic uh, logo that has like the giant star on there. Yeah, great. It's amazing. And then like every single one after that, they're like, let's make the stars a little bit bigger. Let's make it more ma- less magical. See, if we could have it like it doesn't even look like magic. Like if we could – it, 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 it I, I just want them to go like some Disney uh, – not Disney, but Nike to go in there and be like, we're going full Disney. We're going full crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, this is just life in- advice in general. Just find out who you are and then embrace it. Whatever you are, embrace it, and it turns out better. If you try to hide what your brand is or what your team is or what you are, it it becomes very obvious that you're trying to Like, mute. for example, the Grizzlies, like, take it from the Grizzlies who took a team where there's there's no Grizzlies in Memphis, and but they still embraced the, the Grizzly. They didn't take it away. It wasn't like the Utah Jazz were just like, got, get rid of the saxophone, get rid of the notes, just put jazz on there. Um, because uh, because you listen to what people who don't watch the jazz say stop it be who you are and embrace it yeah just anyways be, go ahead be, be embrace the crazy also want i i want more than anything for the nuggets to go back to the rainbow i want more i want want full rainbow double rainbow across the sky with <laughs> with the nuggets because it looks well, it looks gorgeous i was gonna say too and and maybe we can end with this, but the Jazz also need to pay attention a little bit to what Atlanta does with some of their in-game presentations. The Atlanta has, I don't know if you've watched an Atlanta game, guys, but if you get a chance to, they're half-court, they're, so they have this camera or so the video projection, system. The projection onto the, the, projection on the court, court is, is unbelievable. Sick. And I don't know if the Jazz have that in their arena renovations. Maybe we should make some phone calls, Michael, or some... Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll if you can find out about strings. that, because you have some strings, and I hope you pull them. Because if we can get some of the video work that is done by by Atlanta, it's unbelievable, guys. I'm it's, telling it's, you. It, oh no, it's, it's beautiful. Amazing. Work. It's it's beautiful work, and it'd be nice if U- Utah was not one of the last teams to get something, because it always feels like we're like the last team to like. This is the thing. So for, and this goes all the way back to the Chicago Bulls when they played the Chicago Bulls in the NBA finals. But it was kind of embarrassing because, uh, the Chicago Bulls had their, they have their intro music. It's like, it's just classic. It's just classic. 
And what was kind of embarrassing was that the Utah Jazz had started playing that same warm-up music uh. that season. So when we played them in the NBA Finals, it was it it was kind of awkward. It was like showing up to the part like you know to your friend's place like a week after after you saw him like with with a cool shirt and the same shirt and you're like oh yeah like uh and so and that's how i felt a lot of the utah has this like pre-game promotions like pyrotechnics well we're the last ones we're like we're gonna start things on fire and <laughs> so I, I i would be it would be nice if we were like the second or third team to you know do the the encore projections and we're a little bit earlier but I well, will say we were one of the first teams with a mascot that sled downstairs. So our mascot is elite, and we uh, do yeah, have mascot nice is video. elite. He's a disruptor. He goes he in is. there. He's uh, you know he's, he's he's well well light years ahead. He's Ooh. wildly underrated. He got under Kevin Durant's skin during the playoffs. Yes. Like he straight up got Kevin Durant pissed off. The bear. <laughs> got under Kevin Durant's skin maybe more than any other player in the playoffs did, except for maybe Rudy Gobert. Remember that look of just demonic look Durant gave yes. Rudy Gobert that game? That was so oh, good. Was so but good. the only the only one other was when he swore at the bear. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, you told off the bear, Kevin Durant. And it's like, He's a man in a fluffy suit that you he's, swore at. He's swearing like, at a furry man. Like <laughs> he swore at a furry. He was like out there, you know. The bear won, guys. If you didn't know that, yeah. that's kind of what he wanted. So Anyways, on, on that note, on Kevin Durant swearing at a furry, we thank <laughs> you guys for tuning in. Catch us uh, at slcdunk.com. Um, and uh, as always, subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or on the good old SoundCloud. Catch us on Twitter at SLC Dunk, on Facebook at SLC Dunk FB, and then catch us on Instagram at SLC Dunk. It's been a pleasure, guys. Awesome. Talk to you later. Bye.